It has been two years, nine months, and nine days since I last treated a patient. I'm here today with Meredith Kasten, a former PT, technically PT, but mostly former PT. We'll get into that a little bit. Thanks for joining me today, Meredith. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Before we get started, I want to let you know, I don't edit my podcast episodes. Uh, that That's often frightening for people, but I make way more mistakes than you have or will, I swear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so don't worry about it too much. Um, it's it's consistent. It's what what uh, many of my listeners have come to know. I just wanted to give you a fair fair warning that, that, that whatever comes out is what comes out. So <laughs> run with that. Thank you. So let's dive in. Um, Tell me about your background. Like, how did you get into PT? Uh, your education, you know, what what your what your practice was, and then go ahead and just just jump right into what you're doing now. All right. Yeah. Well, it attracted me to PT. I was a career changer, so what attracted me to it was the ability to really get somebody better and motivate them and have a lot of what I thought I enjoyed at the time: on time, FaceTime, chatting with people and not have to give them pills and not have to put them under the knife. I think it's a familiar story to a lot of therapists. <laughs> That's the initial thing that attracted me. And I, of course I was one of those, oh, I had a great recovery stories. And um, so that was fun. And then when I initially practiced, I again went through the route that I think a lot of people are gonna find familiar, but went into outpatient ortho, thought that that's what I wanted to do, treat athletic populations, found that that was not for me and I didn't like the pace. So I tried a bunch of other settings. I tried inpatient rehab as a PRN, acute, like kind of acute rehab. Well, I guess I should call it just acute care. I always get the terms confused because everybody's right. so like particular about them. But so I did inpatient rehab. I did acute care, I should say. Tried home health. Did not like that because it's a lot of driving. That's where I learned I didn't like to drive. <laughs> and uh, tried mobile outpatient part B and realized that driving was the thing I didn't like. It wasn't the, the patient care. Um, and then I don't know, I just kind of floated around, um, doing some PRN for one hospital system, trying to figure out and, um, realized I didn't like it at all. Tried one last stint in outpatient ortho in a highly, highly athletic population, hated it and realized, okay, this is not for me. Like, I kind of feel like I went full circle and tried every single setting and every style of employment and just realized I'm the problem here. I do not like patient care. So what I'm doing now is helping people get out. What were you going to say? Interesting. Just the <laughs> that the 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 self awareness to come back and go. Maybe I'm the problem. Like mm -hmm. that's I don't hear that very often. You know, that's kind of an interesting <laughs> story to, to to come to that conclusion after going through all the various settings. So yeah, yeah you're you're helping people get out. So yeah. Tell me more. Well, I think that was part of coming to terms with being like I'm the problem. I think there's a moment where you realize that if you don't like patient care and you went to school for something that is patient care, like a hundred percent patient care, we learned almost nothing that didn't involve patients somehow. I think we have professional communication and resume writing. It was like two classes total in all this school. And so then I realized I was screwed and really had to figure out a plan B when I had that moment of realization and felt really alone because it was not just that I needed a change, but it was like, oh, girl, you already did something else. And then you did PT and you hated that too. <laughs> so then I started to be like, I am the problem. I am a problem person. I don't like working. I'm lazy. But I don't know. I think there was also that little piece of me that was like, I love throwing myself into something that I enjoy. It's just... I feel like I haven't found what it is. And so 
then I, that was what was really nice is I was able to get a job in, um, it's a long story, but content management was my first non-clinical job. And um, that's not entirely true. That's a total lie. I'm sorry. There were two other jobs <laughs> besides that, but it's, uh, I want to keep it brief. Sure. One of them was this like really ill-fated $15 an hour um, marketing job for DJO Global. It was it wasn't bad. It's just that it, I was hired in December and then their budget ran out in like the first of January. So I had like two weeks and I did nothing. And it was <laughs> really, a job. yeah, it was just a bad job. Cause I'm like, I was there for two weeks making $15 an hour thinking, what have I, what, what has become of me? And then, um, and then that was that. And then I had this rehab liaison PRN job that I loved at the time, but then content management was sort of the one that I fell into sort of, and I loved it. And then I grew in that role and I like, I just loved what I did so much. And there was so much variety. And I think that was the first time in my life that I realized that every single other job I had ever held and thus not liked was really repetitive and boring. And I just didn't feel like there was enough kind of change and variety in my day to day. So once I had this content manager job, all of a sudden it was like this ding, 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 you know, I actually love working and I almost have a workaholic personality in a lot of ways. You never would have guessed it if you saw me in any of these other jobs. And so that was what kind of happened is I was like, okay, so I love this. And then I was at this company called, it's such a long story. So I'm going to try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, but basically the company was new grad physical therapy under the umbrella of covalent careers, which is now eyes on eye care. And all of that to say that we were serving a population of new grad PTs and helping them get jobs. And so what was happening is when these people were getting jobs and I was the content manager for this blog we were running, they would write back to me and say, oh, I want to do what you do. I, I want to write emails and blog posts and do something where I sit completely behind a desk. So I started getting all these people asking for help and I would do it on my free time, my nights and weekends, because it was becoming this passion of mine. Like, Oh, here I am the black sheep. And then there's this like army of other black sheep. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie dirty work, but Chris mm -hmm. um, Harley has this great character um, where he's like, anyway, I won't go down that path, <laughs> but basically I felt like this, leader of an army of weirdos and black sheep that all wanted out. And I was like trying to help them and it was really fun. But then the, the day job was wearing on me in the sense that I was um, working at a small startup. And anyway, long story trying to be shorter is um, that, yeah, I left that job because they didn't want to incorporate non-clinical stuff into it. It didn't work with the business plan. And when I left that job for this full-time job, I started the non-clinical PT on the side and then it took off and it grew. And now it's my full-time job and so, even have an employee. So, yeah, that yeah. evolution of story of I'm a problem, I'm lazy, I don't like yes. working to becoming a small business owner. Yes. Those, those are sort of incompatible statements, right? It very. And I think it was, there was a lot of like self- growth and believing in myself that I just never thought I had it in me to do anything like this. And I had a bunch of different entrepreneurial ideas back in the day. Like I wanted to open Dirty Murdy's Dirty Emporium, where it was like just stupid, weird gifts, almost like stupid, stupid.com, just like gag <laughs> gifts, fake poop, you know, all that stuff, handshake buzzers. And I just thought it would be so fun, but that never took, I didn't even try to make that take off. It was just uh -huh. that was a funny name. But I mean, I never took myself seriously as like, oh, I can actually have 
a business where I help people and love what I do. And there's all this variety and I get paid for it. I just never thought. I mean, that's, that's remarkable. I, I sort of, I sort of had my own business and as so much it was, as it was a tax ID, I had no marketing, uh. no website. Uh, <laughs> it's so, some of my listeners will, will recall. I used to work with professional athletes and I was entirely a referral source. So there was a massage therapist who exclusively worked with NFL players. I was her person. So it was like, I can't call it a business. And I still, to this day, look at like what it is to run a real business, like taxes and accounting and marketing and all that stuff. And I go, there's no way I know how to do that crap. And it's like, here you are going like, no, this is, this is, this is something I do. And this is fun. This <laughs> is easy. This is the, you know, that's, that that's, I still find that so incredibly intimidating, even though I technically had a business, I, I really didn't. And I still find it intimidating. It did though. Everything you're describing sounds like a business. I feel like you had a business, but maybe the business side of it wasn't what you enjoyed. You enjoyed the, maybe the treating part. Yeah. Um, well, that was certainly fun. It's an interesting thing, but yeah, still, I mean, still to this day, I, I, clearly love to talk. I made a, a <laughs> podcast where I sit and talk to myself in a closet. Uh, and I would love to do that professionally, but then it's like, I don't, I don't want to start a business. So like, maybe I'll just do it for free. I'll get financially independent, do it for free. Yeah. So like, how did you get from, I, I'm just going to do this thing to running a business. Like, what does that look like? What does that transition I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think this is something that is, it was a lot of like self-work in, in a sense, because, um, I definitely have a lot of, I don't know. I think I have imposter syndrome just like anybody else does. And there was this point in time that, that if we really go back, I remember I got a wild hair to like start a prehab business. And this was maybe two years, three years into treating patients Cause I was like, well, maybe I just need to do my own thing. And this is before I realized I didn't like driving. And I thought I would go and drive to people's, you know, different people's places and um, give them prehab. And then, then somehow they would be ready for surgery. Right. But I went and I talked to a local business organization called score at the time I lived in San Diego. And the guy there basically listened to my spiel. And he was like, there's no way you're going to be successful at business you're too hyper. You laugh a lot. You giggle. You're very girly or, and I don't, I'm definitely not girly if you see how I like talk or dress. So I don't know where he got that, but I guess maybe because I dressed up for the meeting and, um, and I just, I laugh a lot. It's like part of my personality is just that I kind of, I guess I'm giggly. And, um, and so I took that away as like, there's no way someone would ever take me seriously in business. And I had a, at a job at one point, someone told me that I had no business strategy. Um, and so I think hearing those things really did, um, like impact my self-esteem and I was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll work for other people and that's fine. Like it's easier. You don't have to worry as much when you don't run your own business. And I kind of forgot about the idea of starting a business until this all happened. And so I definitely had to, I've gone to therapy. I've definitely worked with a business coach, like later on when I could, when I could afford it more. And, um, I've read some really good books that give you a lot of confidence, but I think that a lot of people are told things once or twice in a really flippant way, like, oh, you can't run a business, or maybe you had your business in the past and it wasn't sustainable for full time. So you've told yourself or someone else has told you the story that you could never run your own business again. And I'm here to say that's bullshit because you can, you just have to figure out the right business and who you're serving and who you're helping and what they need. 
And I think that's the biggest part of it. And honestly, you're just perfect as you are, because I know that I'm a goofball and I know that I don't have like the most professional personality and I'm going to drop an F-bomb or an S-bomb on your show. But I also think that a lot of people don't want some buttoned up jerk that's judging people. You know, like sometimes they just want the person that they want to learn from to be who they relate to, or at least would want to hang out with. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so business, the non-clinical PT kind of feels like it explains itself, but what, what is it? What, what is this, this, this business that you have? What do you do? Yeah. Um, sometimes I call it a career development platform. It's basically a website where we offer a ton of information for people who want to make the switch out of direct patient care. So that could be anyone in rehab, PT, OT, SLP, even though I don't formally advertise it, I'd say like respiratory therapists probably would learn a lot. Nurses would learn a lot, but it's really geared toward physical, occupational, and speech therapy professionals, including assistants. And it's a powerhouse of information. So you can figure out, um, we have a spotlight series where people can learn what else is out there and see people like themselves who are doing things that they never thought was possible probably. And, um, you can also go and take, we have online courses from pretty low barrier to entry to more premium level ones. And um, my flagship course is non-clinical 101. That's a four-step program to help people go from kind of that moment where you're like, what do I do? Like, I, I don't think patient cares for me. So what do I do all the way to getting a job? And so we cover all the different career paths that are out there. We cover how to get there. We cover how to kind of match your personality with those career paths, because at least for me, having jumped around so many careers and felt like I'm a loser and I have no professional value because I don't have any staying power. I think it's important to really match who you are with what you want to do. And there, that's a process. It shouldn't be rushed. Yeah. Sometimes people are desperate to get out. So they just jump at something, but I really think you should consider what you want to do next, not just what you're running away from. That sounds pretty invaluable. I mean, at this point, my my own burnout story is well-documented all over the internet. Uh, <laughs> and I know I'm not alone. I've heard that a lot from from, from many people. Um, is that the population that's coming in? Because like I heard that, I just got to get out now from you just a second ago about people who are users on your on your website. Um, but well, yeah, what kind of people are, are jumping in besides the obvious burnout population? Well, here I am contradicting a lot of advice because I think a lot of business advice is like, find your ideal customer avatar. And I do believe that. And I think that your marketing copy should follow some of those rules. But honestly, I can't pinpoint a certain type of person that comes to the site because I get them all. I seriously do. I get everybody from new grads who are like immediately concerned because they knew either when they were still in school or as soon as they got out that this is not working for them. And it's usually those people who are like, I don't want to be on, or I didn't realize, because I think we all know that it's a physically demanding career. We all know that it's even an emotionally and like cerebrally demanding career. Mm -hmm. But a, a lot of us don't realize how hard it is to be on for the whole day. Because I think when, when you're doing clinicals, even sometimes you go back and you can like review charts and you're only seeing a half patient load. And so, so I think I get a fair amount of people who just realize right out the gate that it's not right for them, but I, but I get quite a few who've been at it for like six to eight years 
and they're ready to start a family and they realize that this kind of career, they're not going to be able to bring the best to their family. So maybe they're like, I'm going to be a grouch. I'm exhausted at the end of work each day and I want to have energy for my kids. Um, Men and women say these things, everybody in between. I mean, all, you know, all types of people come and say this. And I would say the same thing with ages. People are going to have that moment of realization that they don't want to be on all day. I'd say that's the number one reason that causes someone who's maybe earlier in their career to come to me. But then I get a lot of people where you might have someone who's been practicing longer and they come in because it was, it was a straw that broke the camel's back where they say, I just can't do it anymore. I've been at this for 24 years and I'm just spent. And for them, I've noticed it's much more of a, just like one tipping point where they just can't do it anymore. And so it's a, it's a little bit of a different kind of approach to the job search too. I think sometimes the people who've stayed in and stayed in and stayed in and stayed in, and then they realize that they can't take it anymore. There's a little bit more of a, an urgency to them. Whereas people who are realizing it's not the right career, there might be urgency from a paying back debt perspective, but from a career perspective, they're a little more open to like sticking it out in the clinic and then just going, where am I going to, where am I going to focus my efforts? And again, I don't mean to compartmentalize anybody because we truly get all types. I get guys who are, nearing the ends of their careers and they've maybe even owned a clinic and they're just wondering what else to do because they want to have a for fun second season career. It's just, it's every, every shape and size and background you can imagine. It's, it's pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. That's that kind of exposure has got to have some interesting stories that come with it. I, what, what kind of jobs do you see come out of it? Oh, I know I went into product management for a healthcare tech company. So that seems like an easy transition, but, uh, but but yeah, what kind of things, what, where do you see? So funny you say it's an easy transition because that one tends to be one of the harder ones I've found for people just anecdotally. I think because when those roles open, they're just very competitive and they're kind of high visibility these days because, um, you know, non-clinical careers are kind of having a moment right now. I think COVID really drove home how we are not always valued. Yeah. At our jobs. And we're in our for so many therapists. I think the reason they stick it out for so long is that it's getting um, or uh, they keep thinking that it's a stable career. So they might not like anything about it, but the pay is there and it's stable. And so you hear like tech careers there are all these layoffs and these things. And so I think the stability attracts people to staying into patient care. But then when they go for these other careers, then you start to realize you're not stable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you start to realize. anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but all sorts of different jobs, I would say product management is definitely one of them. Program management and project management, which are all kind of I bundled them in the same section in my course. And so I can kind of explain the differences between all of yeah. them and the pros and cons of each. Um, but I'd say that as a cluster. I mean- what was I, am, I, I, I am a product manager and I couldn't tell you the difference between the three of them. So <laughs> it's kind of nice that you can, you can offer that up to people. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some overlap, of course, you're going to have, I've seen people doing one and it's like, they probably should have a different title if you're really looking at their job responsibilities. So I think mm. that it's, they're similar enough in that sometimes people will end up doing similar roles in those jobs, but really they are quite different. We can chat about it sometime, but um. Yeah, that's just three within one, what I consider one career path. And that's like, I call it PM, the, the three product 
the three PMs, product pro program and project management. And then, gosh, we have like all these different roles in public health. That's another kind of career vertical. Okay. Um, and then you've got utilization management. That's a popular one. Care coordination is popular. Home modifications is kind of having a moment because I'm seeing more companies actually like, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but make it into a business and then actually hire versus before it always seemed like there'd be one or two people doing it with no actual employees. So I'm seeing companies come out that are hiring like OTs into the home mod space um, in these non-clinical roles. Sense. Yeah, I'm seeing, I mean, tons, tons. So um, it really just kind of depends, tons in tech. So customer success is really an interesting, popular one. Implementation manager for software companies. Sales obviously is like super popular right now. So it really just depends. Again, it comes back to what is the right fit for somebody? Um, because what I'm seeing happen is sometimes people will go into a role and then they realize that they don't love it and they don't know what to do next. And now it's facing kind of what I was having happen when I was looking mm. is like you've had two careers under your belt and you want a third one. Well, that's cool, but not everybody's going to take a chance on you. So um yeah. So yeah, I think it's just important to be pretty strategic about your move while also staying open-minded because there are a lot of things that I think people wouldn't consider otherwise. So it's just a balance of going, don't close off to anything and keep anything in mind. If you land an interview, go have that interview, but also really open your mind and do yourself the, the justice of considering all the different paths out there because there's probably a lot you haven't considered that you could easily do. And it's not going to take that much time and energy. You just have to kind of put your, like set the controls there and then go. So I'm hearing a lot of like, I guess for lack of a better word, passion and enthusiasm for what it is <laughs> that you've built, which is awesome. I feel like that's probably a good, good sign for taking it to where it is. What sucks about having this business? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked that. What sucked was trying to do everything. That was the biggest mistake that I made for years, my husband included. So here's how it all played out is it was me full time or sorry, it was me part time on the side while I had this other job. It took off quickly. So then I quit the other job um, and then started really focusing on this business. And I did it myself for probably close to two, maybe even three years. I'd have to redo the math with COVID. Everything gets confusing, but um. But then eventually my husband and I moved to Arkansas because I grew up in East Texas and really wanted to live closer to where my parents live. I should say Northeast Texas, because that's the close to Arkansas part. And um, interestingly, I'm going to give him a shout out, Justin Turnus. He's a PT who does an alternative career. You should chat with him on here sometime. He's awesome. Um, yeah, he does like men's breath work and energy work. It's it's really rad. Anyway, so he and I were at a PT pub night in San Diego. He told me about this city because I was complaining that I wanted to live closer to my parents and I wanted seasons, but I didn't think this magical place that I had in my mind existed. He's like, well, that sounds a lot like where I grew up. So you should check it out. And now we live here. So um, <laughs> anyway, and I, yeah. So like, I guess what I'm saying with all of this is I don't even know. We got off such a, such a tangent. I do not remember what we were saying. I'm sorry. Uh, what sucks? What sucks? Oh yeah. So my husband moved out here to Fayetteville, or we moved out here to Fayetteville to together. Cost of living plummeted. He had been at his job, same job for 20 years. And um, he was ready for a change. And I was getting to the point where I needed to hire. So we like took a chance on him leaving his career and joining me. And now we have our first employee. And so all of this has happened over the last few years. But like he and I, when he first started helping me, 
it was just, I don't know. It was great. It was great in the sense that we were getting everything done, but like we became very like, we're going to get everything done and automate everything. And then I don't know what happened, but we just pushed it off on hiring somebody for too long. And I think it just became all consuming. And my moment of realization was when my mom was in the hospital for surgery and she was coming out of anesthesia and I was trying to finish something up like a work task while I was next to her hospital bed. And, and I was like, hang on I'll, just a second. Cause I was just working on this work task. And I was like, what the fuck has happened to me? Yeah. That job that I, like, I wanted to live closer to my parents in this wonderful little city, which I have. And now my husband and I have like painted ourselves into a corner. We're so busy that my mom's asking for a cup of water after surgery. And I'm asking for just a second so I can finish a work task. And I was just like, this is not healthy. So we hired someone. She's spectacular. I mean, she's seriously so great. She's doing such a good job. And I just, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we waited to hire her because I feel like the timing was super right with hiring her because she was about to move and wanted something remote, but man, like had it, had she been in my life two years earlier, that would have been extra awesome. But I'm also just, I always look at like things turn out the way they should for a lot of factors, one of them being timing. And I feel like she might not have applied two years ago. So I'm just like really grateful that we waited until we did and hired her. And she's just been so great. What is the what does it look like going forward for the non-clinical PT? What are you what are you wanting to do with it? You know, it's it's funny because I'm my problem as as a, like a variety seeking human, which oh, I we haven't even talked about that, but I'm a type seven on the Enneagram test and I'm totally curious what you are. Um, but I'm always gonna crave variety. And so I always feel myself called to all these other projects. And so I think since we've hired, I was entertaining selling the business probably maybe nine months ago. And it just cracks me up that I was more serious about selling a business than hiring somebody because I was so scared. I don't know why my husband and I just like got it in our heads that hiring someone would just be like, more people, more, more problems. And then we realized if we just hired from within our non-clinical 101 community, then we could like eliminate a lot of those problems because we, this person would already know they want to do what we're hiring for and they would have right. matched the problems and identified. And so anyway, um, now I just feel like I don't know what's ahead because now we have someone helping us and we've been doing a little bit of kind of beta testing with coaching people one-on-one. -on -one, and I think we might keep going with that. We might do some group coaching. Um, but all of these things would be for non-clinical 101 students, because I really think having that foundation of knowing the 25 career verticals, which direction you can go, how you can branch off from each one. I think it just really helps you when you go into it, any sort of coaching program, you just get more out of it when you've done a bunch of work leading up to it. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah. call back, call back. But yes, I mean, I, I think moving forward, more of the same it's nice to have more free time in my life right now, though, with having Ashley help us. She has been so wonderful that I hadn't had breaks or vacations or any real opportunity to explore other things in a long time. So my husband and I are like talking about doing an, a podcast about active transportation in Fayetteville. So <laughs> we're going to explore some kind of for fun projects because it's been so long since I've had for fun. But I'm also going to enjoy having a business that is thriving, but isn't my entire life and identity because that, that I was, sounds healthy right I know and you're probably having that too just once yeah. you in a position where you feel like you like what you do very true and I think part of that's a healthy relationship with your work yeah no one to turn it off uh I guess 
that triggers something for me. Um, do you, is there anything you miss about patient care? I think I do miss one thing, which sometimes there's that feeling where you, you get someone up who, you know, wouldn't have worked with anybody else, but you just for some reason, your personality really vibed. And I had that way with like sweet little ladies who had fallen. And so that part almost like makes me feel a little teary when I talk about it. Cause I'm like, man, I feel like I had a gift with that type of patient population where they were so scared. And I was just like, going to get them out of bed, even though they were scared. And so, um, I miss that. I think I miss the feeling of like, oh, there's this sweet, like, or maybe not so sweet always, but there's this population of scared, frail, little old ladies that look at, maybe they look at me. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like, a frail looking (laughs) my body habitus, you know, I, and it's true. I mean, I have like frail, you know, frail tendencies sometimes where I like, I'll tip up. Like I I keep tipping over on my bike because the bike like pulls me over because it's so heavy. I have an e-bike. So anyway, um, so maybe they see that in me and they, and they feel it, but it's like, oh, I miss, I miss that you have with certain patients. But I also think I get a lot of that with some of the people that I work with. Cause even though I don't do much one-on-one coaching of alumni or students anymore, just because I've got some like great coaches that I work with, who I think are honestly more in touch with the hiring scene at this point. Um, I don't know. I just, I miss some of those personal connections, but now I'm able to to grow Ashley, our woman that we hired who works with us. It's been really cool to step into this kind of new role as like mentor and educator and, and say, well, you might want to have your own business one day, or like, maybe you want to take a bigger role in this business one day. And so it's been fun to just kind of grow and, you know, encourage people that way. If it's not a patient, I think my tendency tends to be fairly like optimistic. So if I'm feeling sad about something like, Oh, I missed this about patient care. I just kind of quickly redirect the ship to like, Oh, but I have this great other thing about my other role. So I get that. Uh, it, it does, it resonates. Um, I, without going into much detail, there was a, I think I had a unique perspective that, um, it's not, I'm not sitting here going, I was the best at everything because of this one thing. It's just, <laughs> it was, it was unique. And I, I know it was unique because I had enough patients tell me about it. And it's like, there's that part that it, I feel like I'm depriving by not providing that anymore. And the second that I start to have that feeling, then I go, you want to go back to it? <laughs> Fuck no, <laughs> no, I'm out. So like, I, I get, I get you. Like it is, it's tough to say that you could offer this, this thing to this group of people. And that's hard to let go. Um, the... what I will say though... go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. What I, what I will say is that I think a lot of other people are really good at that too. It's like, it's more that I wasn't that good at that much stuff, but that was one thing I was good at because yeah. I can be very, very honest with myself and realize that patient care was not my gift, like clinical reasoning and all that stuff. I wasn't like horrible at it, but it wasn't my gift. So I do, I do feel better. Cause I'm, I'm thinking what I was doing for these women. Usually these little old ladies was like, first time you're getting up out of bed. Like yeah. very time. that's not that hard. And there are a lot of people who can do it. Yeah. Who are bigger I than I am. <laughs> Catch them. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm, I went to the period of time that I was working in rehab settings or hospitals. Like I swear the overwhelmingly strongest, overwhelmingly strongest PTs were like, five foot tall Asian women for yeah, sure yeah, like totally. every single time. Like I know it's crazy. Yes. yes. They're so impressive. <laughs> Not to generalize, but yes, I've had a few that I've worked with where I'm like, 
you're incredible. I mean, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's amazing. It's it was so incredible. It was incredible. Yep. Um, I have one question that I ask everybody that I, I want to make sure I'm asking. And I want to ask you, um, what, what do you want others to know based on your time? And normally I would say as a physical therapist or whatever profession, but you know, if it, if you feel it aligns more, what do you want people to know as a business owner? Take it however, however, which way you want to take. You know, I think this is going to sound super cheesy, but believing in yourself is super important because that is an area that I think I struggled with for a long time. And it was only when I really, this business has been transformative because once I realized that there was no one else that was going to make this business and um, do what I was doing, like I had to do it because nobody else was doing it. And so that was a big, a big growth moment for me. And I think for all of you listening, if you are doubting that there's anything you can do or anything special or anything unique, or you listen to Adam's podcast and you think product management sounds awesome, but you're just not getting there for some reason. Um, it is not a reflection of you. It's very competitive right now, at least when we're recording May, 2023, it's a competitive non-clinical market. It's things are tight. It's not you. And, and the minute you start giving up on yourself, I think people can kind of smell it. And so really the only person like holding you back that's not the right way to put it, but don't be the person holding yourself back. Yeah. You know, there are enough people out there who are going to want to hold you back for one way or another. And some of it's trying to protect you, you know, whether it's like your inner, your inner critic trying to protect you or some friend being like, I don't know. I just don't know. Are you sure you want to do that? Um, so don't let yourself be the one that is holding you back. And I really think it's worth doing some self self exploration in the sense that, um, I guess to what we were saying earlier, be open to possibilities, but explore what's out there. Don't rush into things and let it get to the point where you're just so miserable at your job that you will jump at anything because I have seen people go for the wrong jobs and really regret it. And the same wrong job for one person is another person's dream job. Yeah. So I think that's what it boils down to is you just have to know what, what is right for you, whether it's running a business, whether it's pursuing employed work, whether it's pursuing freelance work or PRN work or work, staying in patient care, whatever it is, I think just taking the time to explore yourself from a non-judgmental place and a curious place versus like, you know, you're such an idiot and couldn't make it in patient care. So what else can you do? I, honestly, I hang out sometimes in the Reddit physical therapy subreddit and man, that place is depressing. Yeah. And so don't let the depressing negativity get to you because honestly, there's always going to be somebody who's going to tell you, you can't do it. So don't be that person. Don't be that person. You know, cheesy yeah. or not. I, I mean, cheese is delicious. So it, it oh, works. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so I'll, but I'll piggyback on it. And I, I know I've, I've talked to a number of people and I, I don't honestly know if I've ever said this on my own podcast, but to piggyback on that, don't get in your own way. For context, I put in somewhere in the ballpark of 225 applications before I got the product management job at MedBridge that I'm at now. So it's if you're getting in your own way, it's going to get a lot harder than yes. if you just believe in yourself. Thank you, Mary. Oh, sorry. I'm going to cut you off one more time. No, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you for sharing that because the volume of applications is something that I think it takes a really hard time or a really long time for us to get used to. Because mm -hmm. as therapists, 
it's pretty easy to get a job, generally speaking, as long as you're willing to move somewhere. I mean, if yeah. you're willing to go to the middle of nowhere, you'll get a job if you want to travel. So that is the hardest part. And so I love that you shared that number. And I love that I love that you shared that experience happened even a few years ago when things weren't so tight. Yeah. Because um, if you're going to give up because you don't hear back from someone after one or two applications, that's you're dead that's in the water. Work. Yeah. No. So anyway, thank you, Meredith. I I appreciate the time that you were willing to give and the the stories. Um, couple of last questions. I where can people reach you if they have questions about anything you shared today? Sure. Um, we have a free Facebook group that if you go into the search bar on Facebook and just put non clinical jobs networking rehab. It'll come up. It's non-clinical jobs and networking for rehab professionals. I've had that group since like five and a half years ago. It's got about 30,000, 30 plus thousand people, probably 35 at this point. Tons of people. We're in there um, answering questions. Everybody else is in there answering questions. And we do a bunch of aggressive moderation to make sure mm -hmm. that negativity does not pervade and to make sure that things stay on topic and not about like multi-level marketing or sleazy sales scam stuff. So join us in that group. That's probably the best place. I also am online, thenonclinicalpt.com. You can just search the site, find all sorts of information on there and get in touch. That's great. Uh, normally I ask if there's something you'd like to plug. I think the obvious one is your website as you've done. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Oh man. Well, since I was talking about it earlier, active transportation, man, we've got traffic problems and uh, get on your bike, advocate for bike paths wherever you live. I am obsessed with this organization recently called Strong Towns. So that's at strongtowns.org. If you're interested in cycling and you don't want to be angrily stuck in traffic and you want to make your city more bike friendly, get up on strongtowns.org. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for getting the chance to talk to you. Uh, listeners, if you're a healthcare provider of any kind and you're willing to be interviewed, or if anyone has any questions you'd like to ask, you can reach me at nerdhealth at gmail.com or on Twitter at nerd4health. That's nerd, the number four health. Until next time, I ask all of you to join me in taking a little time each day to try to learn something new or grow as a person in some small way. Signing off for today. <laughs>